You are listening to the Bondzilla Podcast. The Bondzilla Podcast is an ongoing analysis of two of cinema's longest-running franchises, James Bond and Godzilla. This week, we finish up the Godzilla anime trilogy and give our full thoughts on the series. It's 2019's Godzilla The Planet Eater. James Bond. Hey everybody, welcome back to another edition of the Bondzilla podcast in our, our deep dive slot, but it's sort of a completion of our episode for this month, so it's kind of both, I guess. Um, uh, I mean, it's just inevitably, you know, our first part of the month, uh, Godzilla-wise, was the first two installments of the long-awaited from our fan base uh, Netflix Godzilla anime trilogy. And today's episode is completing our talking of the anime trilogy with the last movie. So that's my introduction. I'm Nick. Yeah, I'm, I'm Will. You overthought it. Yeah. You overthought the introduction a little bit. Right. Well, it's just like, because it's like. But I was, was going to let you roll with it. Yeah. I was like, I was like, it's a, you know, it's a deep dive, but it's like more so than other deep dives. It's like so connected to our episode. Uh, even more so than when we did Pacific Rim Uprising after Pacific Rim in the sense that, like, you're we're really kind of completing a story here. Mm. Um, whereas, like, Pacific Rim was more just like, oh, here's a, a sequel that we both will like. Um, but, uh, yeah, so uh, we're, we're, we're back uh, talking about this. Trying to think of anything news newsworthy happen no um, we, we we put all the news at the beginning yeah. of our last episode when when you mercilessly like <laughs> persecuted our fan base had to you, you got to put them on blast that's why they listen yeah you know uh but i i, I actually think the only thing that really happened uh even though we did talk about it was junkie xl uh, 100%. A, a official confirmation there's a hundred percent confirmation from the source from the source himself and i guess this will Mr. Be XL himself. Well, he has a name. Yeah, Junkie XL. Well, it's like I said, like last week, it's like some movies he d- uses his real name and some music- movies he uses Junkie XL. I mm-hmm. assume that Godzilla, because it's like a cool movie, right, will be like a Junkie XL and not like mm. the whatever. It Unless is. It, it it's it deserves the prestige of. It's a different his, movie. His actual it's a name. different movie. He did not <laughs> he did not do the score to the prestige. Um. But uh, yeah, so anyway, so uh, getting back to let's just like hop right into this one. Yeah, so I mean, uh, we're just... we're in part three of the Godzilla anime trilogy. So if you haven't listened to our normal episode this month, uh, with regards to the first two uh, movies in this anime trilogy, mm-hmm. um, I would recommend at this point definitely going back and listening to that long episode, although it's not our longest. No, it's no. Not, th- th- this not was uh, yeah. The, you you were really concerned about this one. I was just con- I was just interested because you know we did we're talking about two movies, but I think it's still number three. Mm-hmm. It's number three on our list of longest episodes. Right. Okay. Well. Uh, but it is a long. So go back and listen to that <laughs> if, you, if, you, if you haven't heard it. Um. And again, like if you are just interested in general, these are if you have Netflix. Especially here, I, I can't speak for international Netflix users. I don't know what what your Netflix situation is, but here in the United States, all three of them are still on Netflix, easy available to watch. So 
Uh, this is some of the easier kaiju stuff that you can come across if you're if you want to follow along mm-hmm. and and have inform your own opinion. And you're already paying for Netflix if you have it, and if you don't, then you don't care about Netflix. So, you know, you could just listen in. Yeah. So, uh, recap on where where we've been at. So, uh, Godzilla anime trilogy uh, features the premise of. Godzilla monsters uh, taken over the Earth. Uh, Godzilla being the king amongst them leads to a mass exodus of a select group of humanity among two other species of aliens uh, who also had their planets uh, taken over by monsters. And uh, so they are looking, all three of these uh, species in one giant kind of arc are looking for a new home. They don't find one, so they are forced to come back to Earth where... 20,000 years have passed and uh, where the there's a couple creatures remaining but of course the the granddaddy of them all is uh, the the biggest Godzilla that that we've ever seen which is also funny because there is kind of like this like uh, I think I mentioned it in Shin where there's this little bit of like this every Godzilla has got to get bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. So it was like, at the time, Legendary was like the biggest Godzilla there was, and then Shin was the biggest Godzilla there was after that. And before the states could come back at them, they're like, all right, we're going to make Godzilla Earth, which is this Godzilla, and it's like a Godzilla that's like the size of like three mountains or, or, or whatnot. Um, so they, they come back, uh, they try to beat this Godzilla to no avail. And then uh, one of the alien species, the Bilisaludos, which are like the strong, uh, like engineering um, aliens. Technical uh, masters. Yeah. Uh, they rediscover one of their old weapons that they were going to use on Earth to fight Godzilla, which was Mecha Godzilla which used its nanotechnology and evolved into Mechagodzilla City. And uh, lots of plans go awry. They are almost successful in defeating Godzilla, but it turns out that the Villa Saludos are crazy and that they actually are... Uh, they were um, submitting their will in a almost technological, religious way to this uh, nanotechnology. And it's a whole lesson about how far will you go and give up your humanity to take, uh, to take down uh, the enemy, um, obvi- and then our hero of the piece, Hero, um, did uh, was not up for that. Uh, yeah. So he turned turned his back on this one chance to defeat Godzilla. Um, and uh, the only thing we left off is that our third species, the Exif, um, have a little bit of a mystery of their own, in which uh, there was a creature that took out uh, their planet uh, that they say to be wary of, and that creature goes by no other name than Ghidorah mm-hmm. and uh, and then that's where and then that leads us into the third chapter in the Godzilla anime trilogy um, um, Godzilla the planet eater yes uh, so yeah so I'm gonna sip a little bit of my tea and uh, so let's do this all right final chapter um, all right so uh, so Leading into this, and then general thoughts. What 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 are you thinking now that it, it's all out there? I think the biggest thing that is actually the more interesting question, which is why I think we ordered it. At least it was my idea to order them these ways, yeah. where it was like parts one and two, uh, and then two. I think we agreed kind of like left off on a better cliffhanger than one would have. Yeah. And then three. This is the one that kind of brings it all together. Yeah. So maybe a better uh, question would be. What did you think about this chapter? But more so, what did you think of 
the trilogy as a whole now that we have all the pieces in play? Um, this chapter was definitely an interesting one. I would say that uh, the Planet Eater, I think, almost encapsulates the entire anime trilogy very well in the sense that there are a lot of really unique and cool ideas and what's most interesting about this movie and I think about the the anime trilogy as a whole is just like kind of the the drive to just do something different Mm. with all these um you know creatures that we have been familiar with over the years and how it presents those unique ideas while at the same time just kind of continually making decisions where I have to consider from a story perspective and from like an audience perspective, how I feel mm. about that decision from not from like a character perspective, but from a behind the scenes perspective. Sure. 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 And I, I mean, I think it's safe to say that this is probably one of the more like, you know, you can roll your eyes at this, but like one of the more ambitious uh, Godzilla projects in terms yeah. of like really doing something out there. Yeah, and I and I give them all the credit to like not being afraid to really change stuff. I mean, I think you know there are there are certain aspects that in certain fandom parts of fandom that you know don't want change or or will resist it, and it's like not always in a bad way. Sometimes it's just like they like a certain element of a character, and then you know Mechagodzilla is a city all of a sudden. It mm-hmm. seems like really weird. You know, I'm always kind of open to just if you want to do, especially within the anime world. But I do feel that this really didn't stick the landing wholly for me. Mm, okay. Um, and I feel like it real. I I just don't know. I don't know if this comes from like watching this separately from the other two because the other two we did like kind of pretty much double feature, not exactly, but like within the same day. And this one we kind of you know did um, just a few hours ago. I just felt this just kind of was a little bit more disconnected for me than mm-hmm. the other two. Uh, I felt the other two kind of led into each other a lot more. And I feel like, well, not that this one didn't have the, those elements lead in. I did feel that there was this kind of some turns that I was like, oh, this is not where I was really the rest of the story flowed to. Um, so I just think of overall, like, I do think some of the most interesting stuff in the trilogy is in this movie. But overall, like this movie kind of, put the trilogy as a whole down for me oh okay so i I think i'll probably be the voice of a little bit more positivity uh this time around um though at the same time not really not gonna probably argue too much on on where on um on just the whole thing uh especially the it, it was interesting because for me um this is my second time finally rewatching this. So it was interesting that you do say that parts one and two really do kind of feel like, oh, like it's, you know, kind of one piece leads right into the other. And then the way it ends kind of feels like very satisfying in a certain way. This one, I almost did not remember until rewatching it this time that like, yeah, it, there does seem to be a little bit more of a disconnect be- between the two to the point where, like I do think that there's like some great stuff in this one that you almost kind of like it makes you think like did you miss like certain plants and like certain elements that really 
could have been in those other movies. So it's yeah. like there's almost like this missed opportunity where there were like certain things in this movie that you do kind of feel, at least for me, that like, ooh, this may have landed a little bit better if they were like kind of like planted throughout the, the trilogy a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Um, that being said, for me, uh, and I still feel this way, when I first saw this, this was kind of the thing where I was like, okay, now that I kind of see that this is what it was leading to, like it actually... It's hard because I don't know if it's stuck the landing completely as a whole piece, but the anime trilogy made a lot more sense. Like the whole, like the whole, what is the point of the whole of this whole thing mm-hmm. made sense a little bit more with this, and it's kind of the thing to take away from this trilogy as a whole because I, I do think for it, it's a little bit. Uh, um, unremarkable like in its first part and it becomes a little bit more interesting in the second part and then like probably the most interesting things happen regardless of how you feel in this one mm-hmm. so it, 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 it and it makes for an interest, it, interesting rewatch because that first chapter seems even more tedious yeah and then like this yes. one, yeah so mm-hmm. um, yeah it definitely like it's definitely gonna be interesting talking it out in terms of like if I were like the rank the movies because it's one of those things where I do feel that like the Planet Eater has some of the strongest stuff of all three movies, mm-hmm. but I also, again, I also feel that there's some, there are some other elements of it that just take away from, you know, and just we'll, we'll talk about it more specifically. But I do feel that there are some of the stronger elements of the three films are here, and that's what kind of makes it hard because even with that first one, I think is definitely the worst of the three. I just think it doesn't really, you know, it just. It just meanders, doesn't really set up, like it sets up the world and then doesn't really do much with the world in that singular movie. Right. And then two, like, you know, it's not like the most amazing thing, but I did feel like there was a more kind of energy to it. And I felt like, you know, the ending, you know, the last battle was a little bit more kind of my speed and, and like the, we start getting a little bit more into the philosophical discussions and which really kind of doubles down on this movie. Um, but it was still like, it was still like, I enjoyed it, but I wouldn't call it like the greatest thing. And so this one is kind of hard because again, like some of the most interesting stuff is in this movie, but it also is underlined by stuff I just like have issues with. Mm-hmm. Where, where, where to start with this one? Because what was interesting to me rewatching them and I didn't want to kind of like tip the hat a little bit too much. Obviously we knew Ghidorah was going to be in, in this one. Um, so genre wise, I, I kind of talked about how each three, first of all, in you, you know you absolutely guessed it where it's like each of the chapters focus on a different species like the yeah. first one's the humans the second one's the bill of saludos and this one is the exif uh the other thing that was interesting to me that makes it kind of interesting as a trilogy is the like the first one is kind of like that space exploration like kind of like sci-fi movie and then like the this then the second one is more of like a like sci-fi like technological adventure movie and like this one becomes like full-on like uh lovecraftian (laughs) lovecraftian like monster god movie uh which i which is super interesting um but yeah i i think like the biggest thing with it is that it's just chock full of all of these interesting like ideas um in a way that I think ties the bow, if not a little sloppily, on some of the other things. But you're right. I think to speak to where it's a perfect encapsulation of everything else, um, you know, it's kind of it still has some cool stuff, but it's not quite as exciting as the as the second part. Yeah. But at that point, it's also not as 
boring as the first, first part. part. Yes. But there is a little bit, like, it is funny, like, how it meanders a little bit in the first one about being, like, like we're all going to, like, talk about, like, these are like uh, like the existential crises we're going through, and like there 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 is a lot of like that going on that mm-hmm. it, it comes from the first one. Um, so yeah, and then in a way, like you really have to kind of be more susceptible to its bigger ideas um, than like anything like exciting really going on uh, in the momentum of the plot, because there is a little bit of like you do feel like at certain points you're like. And like, yeah, <laughs> I'm doing the hand motion for like, okay, and and yes. and, and what else? Yeah, yeah. so there, there's a little bit of that going on in here. But it, it, like, so the plot of this one ultimately is that kind of we're we're right off the tail of part two, where Mecha Godzilla City is destroyed. Uh, Godzilla's kind of in a mini hibernation, but at this point, there's like no way, there's no way to defeat Godzilla. Yeah, and it's like again, we just hit the low point where our main character has survived, but the, uh, you know, the the girl that he's, you know, kind of you know, likes him, and you know, yeah, Yuko, Yuko is is basically in a perpetual coma mm-hmm. where she's essentially dead. Just the nanomachines that are in her body from the forced, you know, integration with Mechagodzilla systems mm-hmm. and. Um, the force integration kind of killed her, but the nanomachines inside are essentially keeping her alive. So basically, like, she's never going to wake up, but she's never going to die. Right. That's kind of the situation uh, that they're in. He's at kind of a low point of just, like, existential, like, you know, we're not going to beat Godzilla mm-hmm. mode. Yeah, he, he he's he's done. He He's given up. Like, he's, right. like, he's at, he, he's definitely at his lowest point. And then immediately we're, we're, we're into the, the exit stuff where mm-hmm. our, our, the religion that the EXIF have been preaching uh, comes to a point where it now believes that Haruo's um, survival was a divine intervention, almost like a proof mm. of, of God. Mm-hmm. And so that kind of spurs a lot of the early stuff um, on the planet is just basically kind of this discussion of where this kind of cult is going essentially and it, oh, turning oh. it like making it more clear that it is a cult yeah and, and ultimately what the, the idea is is that and it's mostly motivated by our lead ex of character uh metaphys who uh reveals that you know they're gonna be on their they've come back to earth and the plan is to use their god as and summon their god to defeat this Godzilla. Yeah, which is um, kind of what you know, because this is the stuff that was kind of implied in the montage part of the first movie, where mm-hmm. it's like you know the the Bill of Salido, We kind of see the failure, the initial failure of Mecha Godzilla. We see the Exif basically preach like we and our god will will mm-hmm. protect you, and it's like, and then it's just like they never got a chance yeah. to to, they, to summon their god. And, and there's also like this, um, there they, they hint at this in the first one. In the first couple ones about like how the exif work and they kind of have like this religious like precognition type like like oh like we can see the future type type deal um and um you know everybody's like oh you you guys are all you know it's just like a bunch of luck and there's no such thing as miracles and th- this movie kind of sheds a little bit more light on just how they work as like a society and a technology yeah. that it's just like a extremely advanced version of technology that ultimately allows them to you know uh 
peek into other universes essentially like yeah. it's basically kind of like a allow you to see into the fifth dimension type uh yeah as type. as uh Metaphy says it says like you know um basically he kind of has that quote of just like you know this idea that like maybe you guys you know your science never proved god because you didn't have the most advanced scientific technology to prove of God's existence. Right, right, so, right. Which is like what they kind of gone through. Um, so there's a lot of that kind of stuff. Yeah. Uh, stuff going on. Um, so yeah, so it's, so that's the plot. And then obviously the God is uh, Ghidorah. Ghidorah. <laughs> so, I mean, like, it's just kind of one of those things where that is very much, it's kind of like in a sense, like the first movie where there are things happening, like, but it's kind of really easy to kind of get through them. Mm-hmm. Uh, essentially. Um, in the sense that, like, you know, a lot of the early part of that movie is essentially, like, kind of really doubling down on the EXIF, kind of creating a cult-like environment where now it's, like, it seems like most of the, uh, not most, but a large number of the ground party on Earth is now fully invested in, like, the EXIF religion. Um, And kind of the distinctly, like, you know, because Metaphys as a character in those first two movies had some mysteriousness to him he was up to something it was like a mysterious to him but he was always presented as like like a like a good friend right to to haru and it's like you knew he was kind of there was something more happening with him like you kind of you could kind of guess that he was eventually going to turn into like you know especially with like kind of knowing that the third movie was going to be like an exif thing kind of could guess he was going to kind of turn into like a villainous character right right but the basically the beginning of the movie is essentially just doubling down and making sure you know this guy is suspicious and he's going to be doing bad things. Right. Like, and it's like, <laughs> and it is one of those things where this is kind of the first part of where, again, just kind of how the movies work as a whole. Because I feel like if there was like a slower or a more gradual build to like the realization of like, oh, that the XF are kind of creating this cult like environment were like in those first two because it definitely like they definitely showcase like the religiousness and like the praying but then once it gets to this where it's very much like oh like now they're like all in on like like the gods and even some of the human characters yeah are like, yeah are like all in on this like like praise be to like you know your god and Ghidorah. and it's like it just seems like it really was a large leap whereas like, i feel like if you if you if you had like one human character that was kind of you kind of got to him getting more invested in, like, just kind of over the movies, getting more invested in, like, the EXIF way of life. Like, it just feels like, like, it just feels like it really, like, the ramping up just kind of came out of nowhere in terms of that. Well, yeah, it's like when when that one character comes out and then he's like, it was divine intervention, it was God. You're like, whoa, where did this come from? But the weird thing about it, what makes it feel so strange, is that it's like, in all other ways, like, it fits into the story that they've been told. Like, it's like, you know, that you have, like, this kind of, like, wayward group of, like, humans and aliens going, you know, about space. Uh, you have another group where it's, like, all is lost. And then two of the, you know, uh, a couple of the aliens are all about, like, you know, religious persuasion. Like, that's how they were introduced. So, it... it what makes it weird is like you almost wonder why that isn't stuff that was kind of like weaved into the previous you, two you movies. You could easily have planted that a lot into right with where it's like you know kind of the desperation setting in and it's, it's essentially with like you know the reveal of the whole Bill of Saludo plan. 
Like, you definitely could have weaved in, like, you know, that, that one character at the beginning of this movie who's suddenly all in on it, like, kind of getting more invested and going to the, like, maybe he starts going to the, the prayer sessions and kind of getting more invested. It just feels like, especially in that second movie, you kind of just let into it because it just really feels, it's like, it just feels it's like, okay, now we have to have the exif as the villainous character. Mm-hmm. So it's like we have to make sure that we, we you know, we double down on all of this. Right. Yeah, so so that's where it, it, it is very strange. It almost feels like there were deleted scenes yeah. from the first couple ones. Where, where I would say that I think that the stuff with the Bill of Saludo mm-hmm. really transitions well from the first one to the second one. Yes, I would I agree. Think, I think their personalities and their um, their look at technology and stuff, like it just kind of fits more and weaves into that second movie very well, I think. Whereas like I feel like just weaving the exif into this movie just feels like there could have been a little more setup to that right throughout the trilogy yeah definitely um now that being said like you know how how do we feel about kind of like otherwise how it's like it's like executed uh in there i mean i think there's a little more stuff before we get to the actual use of Ghidorah himself but i do think that the the exif and stuff with uh our main exif character and his relationship with Haru and how that kind of plays out, especially within like the end of second act, the third act stuff is like, is, is some of the most interesting stuff of the trilogy, just in terms of how it's presented and their viewpoint and the way they look at reality and the way they look at the world. Um, it was it was interesting to kind of see the the allusions to like you know our more earthly religions like there's definitely an element of Christianity mm-hmm. uh, in there with kind of the you know drinking the soup and it's like now the soup is a part of you the religion you know it's all I, part I, of you. I was I was pretty thrown I didn't notice this the first time I was pretty thrown by how intimate and close to home they made it is that how earthly they made the yes. God talk because it's, it's very, very easy for a movie like this to be like. Like, even just the use of, like, it's, like, we're going to summon our god or, like, especially, like, when you get into aliens, like, you they, they kind of always, like, the gods, but it was literally, like, in this one, it was just, like, give yourself over to god, and it was just kind of very, uh, like, it, it took me aback this time that they were, like, just that up front There's with definitely, it. like, a solid mix of, like, Christianity and, like, Scientology and a little bit mixed right, in there. Right. Uh, definitely kind of, you could definitely probably pick and pick and choose pieces from a lot of like earthly religions and kind of mix them together and that's like the exif way of life right, uh, right. at least in, the, in terms of how the priests present it to mm-hmm. um their followers where you know there are more nefarious elements in terms of what they preach and in what the people that they're preaching to believe and then what actually ends up happening to them right and and it's also fitting only because this is like the first um yeah i would say the first um godzilla movie that i think effectively like not even an analogy is trying to like make a direct parallel to all the monsters are of like godlike status like yeah. that there's something a little bit more like mythological in the terms of like these are like beyond human and nature and Mm -hmm. you know the fact that like you know godzilla can be considered almost like an elemental like like god of the earth i think we'll talk about like there is an almost a universal implication that like a god godzilla or a godzilla eventually exists on every world right that Mm -hmm. that eventually like the natural order of things leads to 
the appearance of Godzilla. And I think it's I think it would it would agree because I think the the thing about the the traditional way we go about Godzilla is very much like scientific based. It is based on like you know, he's a nuclear accident or you know, mm-hmm. he's, you know, a mysterious monster. Like, you know, there's there's a more scientific element to it. Whereas I feel like the anime trilogy definitely takes a more spiritual element. Because I think you can also relate that to, you know, the, we, we, we relate the Bill of Saludo storyline to a type of religious fervor mm-hmm. towards, like, the technology. Right. And this one is like, again, there's a more, uh, the XF have a more, like, literal god monster Mm -hmm. that they that they pray to so it's like there's definitely like an aura of religiousness throughout the entire trilogy um you could even argue that it's a little bit in that first one just more so with the existential stuff of like human pride and stuff that that, that's kind of almost a a religious kind of reawakening of oneself even though again because that first one is just the more you look at it just lacks a focus Mm-hmm. Um, because it just lacks something that really tie it together, uh, unlike like kind of the last two, which I think have that kind of theme permeate. Yeah, I think. Um, well, b- before I get further into that, there is one element of this movie that I think should just be gotten out of the way, like real quick. Is it the space station stuff? It is hilarious to me how little you care about that by part three. Yeah. So this. Is, <laughs> I'm, 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 so. The thing that's going on on the space station is that essentially they they see what they they've heard and this is basically seen what happened with Mechagodzilla and the Bill of Saludo part, part of the console goes like nuts. He's like, you know, the uh, Hero should be tried. You know, this is a, this was a mistake. This was our only chance to defeat Godzilla. And then like our other human you know, one of our other human parts of the console was just like, no, it was like, it was like you were about to like destroy all of earth with your technology. And it's just, and then it just gets into there. It's basically like, do you think it was funny how the lead Billis Ludo guy was just kind of like, yeah, that's exactly what was going to happen. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he just owned up to well, it. Yeah, that's exactly what, I mean, that's, it's not too different than the Billis Ludo, the two main Billis Ludo that we saw on earth. It's right. just like, they were going to own up to the fact like this is, this is the only way to, to live life is to continue to expand. Which is interesting because I we'll get into the EXIF a little bit more, but it's essentially the exact opposite of the EXIF way of life. Whereas the EXIF are like the only way to like enlighten yourself is to be destroyed. Mm-hmm. Theirs is like the only way to enlighten yourself is to evolve as far as you can. Right, like it's very much two different paths. So essentially, they have a big argument, and like yeah, so like the Bill of Saluda is like yeah, like that was the plan because like that's the only way we can survive. And the human, you know, the human and, and fight and then the council leader's like oh, i don't want to get in the middle of this kind of right <laughs> uh, uh so essentially the bill of saludo on the ship basically go on strike like right they, they essentially they're the engineers they're the ones keeping everything running but they're bears basically on strike so basically just to get to the plot real quick just a couple other things mm-hmm. where essentially in the last movie uh metaphys 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 I, I don't know why there's an l in there uh for me uh, he um, basically used the nanotechnology to repair this amulet, a- amulet, uh, to, that basically is like the final piece of the puzzle to like summon their god Ghidorah. Mm-hmm. So they basically have, you know, there's there's the Exif 
I'm going to call him a cult. The XF cult on Earth, and then there's a simultaneous XF cult on the space station. And they're both essentially at this point, you know, they're both preaching that, like, our only way to defeat Godzilla is to summon Ghidorah. And everybody's like, yeah, wings of destruction, like, all that sort of stuff. They're all chanting, all this sort of stuff. And then the people on Earth are basically, like, destroyed by Ghidorah's shadow. Like, like it's actually a really cool sequence mm-hmm. where, like, you see Ghidorah's shadow, like, come out of, like, the soup bowl thing. and then, Well, like, this is where, like, the real, like, kind of, like, uh, Lovecraftian, yeah. like, influences come where in. It's yeah. like you see Ghidorah's heads, like, slither through the shadows, and then, like, he'll the shadow will bite the shadow of one of the humans and the, the head will fall off and mm-hmm. he'll bite off one yeah, of the Yeah, that, that always stuck out to me. Like, I, I always remember, like, that. It's like, a great concept. Um, and then again, you see like the one human that was like getting into it, like realize like everybody's dying and there's nothing they can do. Meanwhile, on the space station, as they're praying to Ghidorah, all of a sudden a giant, like singularity wormhole thing pops into space. Right. Mm -hmm. And essentially like the whole ship is like all the people on the bridge, like our, our, you know, our drivers and our our leaders and stuff like that are basically like, this is impossible. Like a singularity came out of nowhere. Like what's coming out of it. Time is being distorted, you know, and long story short, the entire space station blows up. Right. Yeah. There was, there was one cool, before I say there was one cool moment out of this where basically there's this whole thing where time is essentially being disordered. So they're basically kind of seeing, they're knowing things before they actually happen. Mm -hmm. So they're like the one cool, like the one kind of cool and kind of terrifying part where it's like, the main like driver, like the person in control uh, on one of the computers, is like, we've just all we just all life. Uh, sorry, we lost all life signs on the bridge. Does that mean we're dead? And then they they all like four seconds later they all die. Yeah, like, right, right. Yeah, no, it. that was cool. That 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 was cool. But this is the part where I'm like the kind of the movie like lost a little bit for me because mm, okay, here's the thing. I realized when. They after a little, I would kind of like that kind of lingered in my head, like just a full destruction. So everybody on that ship, everybody's dead. All the ex of all the bills, salute all the humans, all the innocents, all the just random people that are there, gone. Nobody. Uh, every, the only people from that ship that exist are on the ground. I realized that I kept thinking about it. I was like, well, I guess there is no easy out for the people on that ship, right? Because. Right. It's not necessarily satisfying because we don't know those characters really well enough if they land and eventually, you know, live. But it's also not really that satisfying. Like, it's not like in an ironic, like, they deserve their death kind of way. Or, like, they, they, they're they they're fighting doomed them all or something like that. Right. Because it's not even like, because you could have said, like, the fighting between them, like, they shut down the engines and so, oh, they couldn't get away. But then it, it really was like they weren't going to get away no matter what because they were on a backup battery anyway, yada, yada, yada. I just really didn't feel like the trilogy ever really set up the ship enough to do anything. Oh, oh no. I mean, I, and I, and I think that like, that's where I kind of like, but then I was also like, at the end of the day, no matter what, there were definitely a lot of people on that ship that just didn't deserve to die. Right. And there was like no real reason for me to like, it's just, it's just one of those things that felt just like useless. I, I don't disagree. I think the thing, it, it was funny because my reaction to it was the series finally getting rid of the dead weight of that plot line. Yeah. Uh, because I think it became very clear in part two 
that nothing interesting was going to go on up there. Yeah. So then by the time three came along, they kind of got rid of it for plot purposes. Yeah. No, I, I definitely see that. But again, I just think that I, I definitely think the more way to go about it is just like you needed to make you could have like put people on escape pods and then they have to they go live in right. the village by the end of the movie i just think like, that like yeah. i just think it's like with the amount because again like at the beginning of the move at the beginning of this trilogy like the only people on the ground are like the soldiers and anybody who's like volunteering but there's definitely people that are like you know there's definitely like just women and children on that ship right it just feels i mean it, but, like here's the just, thing and it just feels it just feels like one of those senses like everybody had to die things yeah, I mean, it's hard because there's an element of that by the message of the movie by the end. There's a, there there is a little bit of that, right? And it, I will say the the reason there, I guess the reasoning too makes a lot more sense once you get to where the trilogy ends, right? Yeah. But again, I just feel like there needed to be something more set up. Like again, it needed to be more so like the 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 failure of the leadership doomed them all. Like it was one of those things. Where I like, I feel like you're. I think you and I where it didn't bother me as much, but I think you and I are reacting to the same issue, and that being that the destruction of it is kind of like a. You don't really get anything out of it. Like, there's, so yeah, there's it, no real use of it in the movie yeah, because so, you don't care enough about the characters there. But there's no real point they're making mm-hmm. by destroying them. Because again, like I said, like if it was like, oh, like these leaders like bickered enough where it like shut down the ship and and you know or like, would or, you think that's where it's gonna go? Yeah, but it doesn't really. No, because again, it's like they make it clear that one they wouldn't have been able to escape no matter what. Because like you know, it's just the way that they present Ghidorah is like it's just impossible to escape his grasp, especially with the time. And two, e- they even like, they, they do the whole like, Oh, the Bill of Saludo have like shut the engines down, but then they basically like, Oh, we have the backup engines on, but we'll have 48 hours before they shut off. So it's like, you think like, Oh, there's cause then you think, Oh, there's going to be a time ticking time bomb where it's like, you know, they have to like settle the stuff on earth and like convince them to like, you know, well, they're also, together. they're also trying to get in the obligatory, like, like, you know, these primate species will always go back to their old ways of warring with each other yeah. because you get that little bit of like, like, oh, like, we'll send a security team down to like intercept them. And then the one human's like, well, do you think we need to escalate that much? And he's like, they must pay for what they did. So you're well, it's yeah, just like, it's, it's basically because it's like the president's like, we'll just escalate it further. It's like they're rebelling against us. Right. They're, they're the ones escalating this. So it's like. It's again, you get what they're doing. You get what they're yeah. doing, but it's like there's. It's just again. It's something that I, it's something that had to be set up throughout the trilogy. It had to be something that was all leading to this point. And again, it really just feels like it just comes out of nowhere. And it's like it's like an oh shit, just got real moment, right? For the sake of it, without really kind of leading into it. It just it just kind of lost. I don't me disagree. A, I, it I lost me a little bit. I, I don't disagree. But this is our first full on. Uh, introduction into the anime series Ghidorah. Um, so, um, what do we think? Definitely of the th- of the main three kaiju that are presented, there is another one that I will talk about in a little bit. But of the main three of each movie, uh, this is the most like interestingly unique take on, and, and like kind of the coolest take. On one of the uh, of them, because mm-hmm. like I think like Mechagodzilla, it's like we weren't as harsh on it as I know some other people are. I definitely got that kind of feedback, right, right. Um, so like there was some shock that as as a big Mechagodzilla fan, I wasn't like upset with it. I'm just, right. Like, at this point, I'm not. I'm just like, so it's not me, but I can definitely understand. 
But the thing about Mechagodzilla was, again, we like we agreed that like it was kind of an interesting concept, but the fact that there really wasn't like a true Mechagodzilla-ness to it kind of took away from that. And I think Godzilla Earth is like, I think I've gotten more into the idea as the movie's gone on, especially I think in this one, how like it's kind of animated. I almost like it a little bit more than even the last one. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, it is kind of more, okay, well, it's just a huge Godzilla who's like part, like basically like controls the ecosystem or is like, or, or has influenced the ecosystem. Whereas like this Ghidorah is like, it really captures the essence of Ghidorah. That's just pure destruction, chaos element of it in a completely new way. Right. And I think that that's what makes it super it, interesting. And, I, and it's still not something I a hundred percent think they nail, um, which I'll talk about in a little bit when we get to plot stuff. But I do think it's kind of the most interestingly executed of the three. I think for me, I, I, I mean, I, I dig it. and But it's a testament to, I think, what we were saying that we kind of thought they could have done more with in Mechagodzilla. Because yeah. here is like a complete re like reinvention that has the elements that you kind of like in Ghidorah and like has some of the qualities just kind of like through a different lens but everything about the character is still very recognizably Ghidorah it's very it's still very much Ghidorah like everything about it so it's like you have like the three serpentine heads um it's got like the yellow you know it's yellow uh you know it's from space um a lot of its theme, even though it doesn't use lightning, a lot of its theme is like, like lightning look, based. Like it looks like pure like beings right. of light. Uh, they it, it, it um its calling sign is the classic Ghidorah sound, which I which I, I yes liked. I appreciated that. Too. I liked that quite a bit. Uh, but then there's just other like narrative aspects about it that do fit, like the fact that it is this you know this uh, destroyer of worlds type you know coming you know coming down from like the skies and is going to be the doom of us all and maybe the thing that can match godzilla and is maybe the thing that has abilities that are even beyond godzilla right and it's like so it's, it has all those elements so you and instantly used, recognize it it's been used before mm-hmm. you know it's like you know destroy all monsters presents like Ghidorah as like their ace in the hole and, right and and got the the hasty godzilla very similarly where it's like their master plan is like well we Right. We'll create God, we will create Ghidorah who is more destructive. And it's like again, an agent of pure like pure destruction and chaos and wants nothing more. His goal in life is to destroy. And right. and the origin of this Ghidorah is essentially it's a Galactus from a fifth dimension, yes. essentially. Yeah. So like basically it is a creature from an alternate universe. That um, the EXIF, I, the implication being the EXIF were able to communicate with it, and then in turn, it destroyed all but a few of the EXIF, and have basically been using the EXIF to find different planets uh, that will be like, uh, yeah, the, the a, a, a good, yeah, Ghidorah's Galactus, yeah, yeah. and and EXIF are the Silver Surfer, exactly. Like, that's that's what they are, yeah, and and the EXIF go around and they're like looking for like planets that have like a creature like Godzilla or like a society like Godzilla. basically uh, a civilization or a planet that's gotten to the level that Earth has in this case, right? Because because the whole uh, I think this is a good time to get into just the creed of the EXIF. Mm-hmm. Their whole thing is everything in every world eventually dies the universe the universe will essentially naturally go out Mm -hmm. every world gets to the point where they have 
progressed too much where a Godzilla type of creature appears and, you know, destruction is inevitable. So destruction is our only salvation. Mm -hmm. That is kind of their whole purpose in life. It's like the only way that we can, you know, be free is to die because the universe will eventually die. There is no immortality. There is no infinite there's just an end. Mm-hmm. So bring like bringing the end is the greatest blessing we have. Right. Um, couldn't have said it better myself. <laughs> um, but yeah, that that that's what they're and, and there's like a lot of other little there's a lot of other little details that are kind of like in in that too. Right. Um, Where they, it's like because they talk about too like there's a whole bit of just you know uh, they go through kind of you know our, our metaphys is is. Um, going through kind of a history of the EXIF. And he right. basically said that, like, we once were, you know, very technologically advanced people to the point where we could, you know, see the future, and it was the greatest period in EXIF history. And that was when they sought the answer to life and, and the the secret to immortality only to discover that there was nothing. There's a line in the movie that I thought was super interesting by the end of it, too, where, and, I, and, I'm, and I'm not remembering exactly the words, but it was, like, something like a species, like... Um, like them always reaching for prosperity uh, is almost like its original sin. Like, yeah. you know, because doing that eventually will lead to worse circumstances that will uh, create like a Godzilla and it's just, or something like and that. They, and they go and like, you know, and it, there's this whole, so we, we kind of are skipping ahead too, but there's this whole thing of just like, there's like kind of a mental battle going on mm-hmm. between metaphys and haru and one of the things they look at is the atom bomb mm-hmm. they look at like you know the nuclear bombs and essentially said like this is it, it, every world leads to this it eventually leads to this type of destruction and we're here to save you by destroying you right yeah and and it does also pit them in retrospect very interesting with the bill of saludos who are very much like their salvation is through this like technological innovation and it's like right, through like, a, like you know uh trying to progress as much as you can right like i, like I said like the whole bill saluda's whole thing is like salvation is achieved by becoming as great as you can be right even mm-hmm. if that means becoming part of the machine mm-hmm. like uh, and you know they look down on you know the the simple-minded cave people because they're not reaching for the ultimate life form right right they're not reaching to be shadow the hedgehog <laughs> they'd rather be you know big the cat that's essentially what what the bill of saluto believe mm-hmm. uh whereas again i feel you, like that analogy doesn't hold up i feel like you just pick two random sonic characters no but shadow is the ultimate life form right but they want to be big the cat that's where you messed up no no no. they don't want to be big the cat. oh they don't want to they see big the, the cave cat. people at big the cat got it got because it. The, the cave people are just fishing for froggy all day and never Never want to go to any higher ground. Got it. Okay, now I understand. Now yeah. I understand. Got it. Yeah, got they, it, got they, it. they're the Bill Saluda are reaching to be shadow. They mm-hmm. want to be the ultimate life. Form. Yeah. Um. But whereas, like, yeah, the Exif are very much like our only salvation is through death mm-hmm. because we will die. You know, basically, like we're saving you from th- we're saving you from the pain of constantly moving forward only to reach the end. Mm-hmm. We're we're taking that away from you. We're bringing you salvation through total destruction. And and it is interesting in retrospect how in many ways I didn't even think about this until now about how our protagonist her plays into it, this like in how in retrospect you've seen 
every party well really uh, with the exception of the of the humans who the humans were a little bit more reticent of like you know they kind of like were making him the lead of everything out of necessity mm-hmm. uh but then the bill of saludos looked at him it's like yeah you're the guy who's like gonna get it like you get like the stakes it take, like like you you know what it's going to take. Like you basically like you hate Godzilla so much that you will give everything, mm-hmm. including yourself, to Godzilla. And right. then Haruzo and Huro's, um, decision at the end of two is like I'm not going to give up myself. Right. And then this time around with the EXIF, uh, Metaphys is kind of using her because he's kind of using him kind of almost as like a mental anchor. There, there there's kind of like a a wonky, very sci-fi mechanic in, in, in the movie where um, Ghidorah being a fifth dimensional being kind of needs some sort of anchor in the dimension that he's uh, that he's in because other, like, for instance, he comes down, he can touch and attack and hurt Godzilla, but Godzilla can't touch him because right. they're both on different planes of existence but because metaphys is an anchor in our dimension he can, he can allow godzilla he can, he can allow Ghidorah to like see and move and, right. and and feel essentially like through his vision right and more so with that it, it, it seems like he's using haru as kind of like another type of like physical anchor because haru is so passionate about and has such like more of a mental connection to the stakes it would take to uh defeat this thing right and, it, and it's like he basically has said that like you know and and the other thing is like i guess the one thing that was set up well with the exif is that metaphys being the person that really does help haru out the most throughout this trilogy right 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 he's definitely like he lets him go in that first one so that he can kind of and it really more enact his plan. He's kind of more there as an emotional anchor uh, in that second one of just warning him about the Bill of Saludo and, and, you know, you know, kind of being that friendly person. And in this one, he essentially says, like, I've been waiting for someone like you for a long time. Like, mm-hmm. essentially almost was like he's treating him as... Metaphys is treating Haru as like almost like a savior character, as like kind of a Jesus-esque of just like, you are the person that's going to to make this all happen mm. it's it's all on you and that's again that anchor that he has yeah um there's almost even like a sense that like kind of like how they were left to be like the pre- they don't say this explicitly but how they were left to be the priests of Ghidorah and the ways of Ghidorah that almost maybe that would have been like Haru's destiny going forward yeah um so so that that's a that's a little interesting it, it it was it, it was interesting though, like because when you really distill it down, they are kind of like a death cult. They are a death cult. That's, um, that's essentially what they are, just with a big fifth dimensional right three serpent dragon thing. But it, so, but it's interesting, just kind of like when they go through like the mindscape. I, I just found that fascinating how they. Um, how they visualized that like when they went through and like they showed all like his friends like Haru's friends that had died and they kind of made it seem like like listen like um like all of us are all of us are gonna die and then you're like what you're gonna be the hero that lives on like with it does like that seem fair and this is the thing where it's like I'm I'm always surprisingly I think into this sort of shit where it's like villain or antagonist character is basically like messing with your mind mm-hmm. you know because it's essentially like metaphys you know because what happens is essentially haru realizes like what's happening 
like once Ghidorah starts making his way to Earth, like once start things, once shit starts going down, Haru's like Metaphys, like he's kind of like concluded all this. So he comes up to the top of like the mountain, and Metaphys has like placed the amulet like into his eye. Mm-hmm. So now he again he is Ghidorah's eye here, and basically what happens is he essentially like Metaphys gets into Haru's mind, like makes him pass out, and then. Metaphys is essentially trying to convince Haru that that the Exif are the in the right and basically like laying out their whole plan and their reason for existence and stuff like that, using Haru's own memories and his you know the, the dead friends and his relationship to Earth against him essentially. Like I I love this sort of stuff where it's like the real fucking with your head where it's like you know like the girl like comes back to life and it's like, yeah, like, well, I'm going to be dead because you know, the, these nanites and like, what are you like? And you're going to go with those two girls and like, you right, know, make right, you right. Feel guilty. And then eventually like it comes into like the grandfather from the beginning of the trilogy. And like, you know, all of a sudden like, he's like, we were the dead weight and we had to go. So it's like, now it's your turn and it's like, come with me. And, you know, trying to like really right, emotionally right. manipulate that. Like I, I, I love that type of like distinct exploration. I, I'm 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 always someone who uh, usually for me it kind of like works just in the sense of like a, a person really questioning their soul. I, I really enjoy the concept of that sequence, and I thought they got a lot of good stuff out of that, especially like when they get into like the the World War Two like uh yeah. like the the plane and everything. I, I kind of wish that they kind of went a little bit more. visually like creative with it you know they kind of do the as you joked about like the the kingdom hearts like deep dive like falling through yeah like what i called like anime version of the sunken place Mm -hmm. uh type thing and you know i i i would have they could have gotten like very transitional and weird with it i think i think they could have gotten more i usually like that part of stuff more too like in other in other projects where there's a more whiplash between scenes and worlds and stuff like that. right right like, exactly kind of more imagining even like like some of the stuff we've seen with that in like the mcu mm-hmm. I, I think is, they like very like doctor strange like, like or, or, or even like what they do in captain marvel exactly yeah um, yeah i, I would have liked to see something like that uh and um even stuff with like what we what we do with like Thanos and, mm-hmm. and some of that. stuff. This was too. also like actually now that now that we're thinking about it, this is like also they they mention it in the in the first part, but this is or the part two. This is the first time they they're very explicitly talking about the the bomb in in, in the atom bomb yeah. uh, thing, and and this was interesting to me because especially recently I was having a conver- I was having a conversation um, with my girlfriend recently about. Um, we were talking about like you know different types of like you know past like atrocities and like you know big world changing events and everything and one of the things that came up was uh you know we got into a big conversation about you know the bomb like you know in um hiroshima and all that and we we actually had an interesting conversation of the argument of you know looking back on that and is that something that you can really in good faith say that we've all atoned for or have we just kind of been like well that's just kind of like something we did in like a like you know obviously there's a little bit like because the conversation was around like at the time some people knew exactly what they were doing but there was definitely a lot of mixed feelings about it afterwards yes so there's definitely it's not like we look back on that and been like what a high point in american history but there's a level of like that was such like a massive event have we actually 
um, like looked back at that with like the reverence that we should. So they kind of frame it in this way as like, and it was very fascinating. I haven't seen it, especially you would think in like all these movies that they would have done this. Um, that they always talk about how bad of a thing that was, but they kind of make it seem like that is like that is a moment that he, humanity will always be haunted by. Now, obviously, the broader it, it's more of a broader thing. There, it's moments like that, but the fact that they're visualizing like stuff like you dropping the bomb is something that to the end of days, like to this moment, 20,000 years from now, you're still paying for that. Yeah. I thought that was, I thought that was an interesting right. and, way and, to frame and, that. And it's almost like, again, it's like, you're still paying for that. And that's all that's going to happen to you again. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's like the cycle will eventually return to that moment mm-hmm. that you will have a destructive moment just like that. Yeah. Um, I want to take a break and then, real quick and then when we come back uh we're going to talk a little bit more plot uh we're going to come back to a little bit of what's going on in that village um and there's also uh, a lot of rich thematic things that i wanted to get into yeah so we'll be right back don't you don't you go changing are you saying the god you worship is capable of defeating godzilla indeed you are correct Highly advanced science cannot be discerned from magic. Such are the words of your Earth scientists, are they not? Have you ever considered looking at it differently? You speak of God in the same way as the occult or fantasy, mainly because your science has not matured enough to understand the concept of God. We can confirm God's existence by using mathematical equations. Gematron calculation, a technology you do not have, helps us to understand the higher dimension of our god. Are you serious? Of course I am. Humans relied on courage, and the Lysaludians relied on engineering technology. Now we, the Exif, will rely on God to strike down Godzilla for us. We're not fools! Why wait until now? If your amazing god is planning on saving us all, what were our sacrifices for? Did everyone die in vain? We had no choice but to wait for the right time. And we're back. <laughs> um, so, where do we leave off? Uh, so, we were just basically talking about the EXIF. Mm-hmm. Um, right. We're going to talk about a little bit more plot stuff because we do have a little bit... We do have a little bit more stuff that happens before all that that I think is worth mentioning. They do. I, I do want to kind of get into one element now because before we move off of the EXIF, though. And this is kind of like getting into kind of like the meaty stuff that I responded to in this. And especially taking the whole trilogy in, into account. Because when I was watching it, my initial thought, and I think both of these thoughts can actually uh be held simultaneously where uh, I thought that what was interesting is that the as you go through the trilogy the Billa Saludos and the Exif are kind of two major extremes of what humanity has been capable of in, in, in certain ways so if you have the Billa Saludos part they're the very technological making inventions that are going to poison the world if like left unchecked and you know their whole goal is like to be as technologically advanced and as superior as possible, and to be as superior as efficient, right? As as human as, as so absolutely possible. Obviously, our you know you know humanity's penchant for you know 
you know, it's technology and, yeah. you know, the, it's very, that's very self-explanatory. The EXIF, on the other hand, is extreme religious, God-fearing devotion where, at, you know, just submitting yourself to this higher power um, is, um, you know, another extreme that the history of humanity has shown. So not to say these are the two, like, yin and yang, but these are two elements that, you know, humanity has um, uh, has exhibited throughout I- I- its creation. So, and it's interesting that this series starts off with humanity's stake in everything and then ultimately ends with, like, the final decision. It's like a human's decision, ultimately, with Haru about where exactly this goes. So it's kind of like a the, the Bill of Saludos and the Exif kind of... Um, act as a stand-in for our lead character to see the extremes of like um the of of humanity without humanity actually doing it Mm -hmm. now a a second way of looking at it is you can actually look at it kind of how the series is where you see all different sides of it whereas like the human side of it is just pure basic survival and nostalgia and like we got to go back to like the way it was and then they get back there and then they find out it's like an empty mission because i think haru's human mission by the end of this is saying like there is no home to to go back to like you know you may need to understand like you were just like that's another element that this episode plays with a little bit is that um haru coming to the realization that maybe humanity was just like a stepping stone in the line of evolution. Right. Um, So it wasn't necessarily their home mm -hmm. and it wasn't definitely their home anymore. And, and the overarching thing that I find that's interesting about it is despite all of that, that taken aside any of the events that actually happen within the course of these three films is that all three of these species were overcome by monster gods, essentially Mm -hmm. So it's interesting that there's all these different method uh, methodologies and these ideologies about how to live through life and how to survive, um, but all of them are overcome by this higher power. Um, so that was like the most interesting thematic thing for me that I think that that's where like the third episode becomes a little bit more compelling. And again, does it say that as eloquently as hopefully that I was able to put it? Um, but I do think it's there, and I think that was like the thing that spoke to me. No, the most. it definitely definitely is very interesting, and, and kind of relates to a lot of things we've we've touched on uh, in the in this episode specifically, but across the mm-hmm. the trilogy. Does you know? And it's like it definitely is kind of that human stuff of just like the the real just kind of need to survive, and because that's what drives them back to Earth in the first place is that realization like they're not going to find anywhere else. Mm. They've been traveling for 20 years or so and the only place that they know that they can go is Earth. Mm-hmm. And so it's just kind of interesting again that kind of push that drive to be that basic need of survival. It's like we're not going to survive here. Whereas like again the Bill of Saludo and the Exif are even at that point like they, I feel like they kind of know that even if this whole journey with humanity fails, that they will have other outs. Mm. That they mm-hmm. they will be able to go where they need to go, right? Because they've done that for forever, and and the except especially have just gone around essentially destroying planets. As as far as we know, they will find more planets to destroy. Where so they're very much like, I mean, if they go back to Earth, that's like both of our chances to like you know have our plans come to fruition but if they don't go back to earth there's no 
it's really no big deal for right, them. Right. Whereas like Earth is like you know because they're they they're kind of general like the the smallness of humanity mm-hmm. in in the face of which we've seen a lot in these Godzilla movies is this theme of like humanity's smallness in the face of these giants. And even here, it's like the giant of space and that giantness of like the ultimate of human exploration now turned into kind of a joke because, and, and like a dire situation because there is nowhere, you know, there, it's so desperate. Right. And so. I, I just, what really spoke to me is this way that how the plot is set up that it, it's able, at least in my mind, to highlight and have a human character experience these extremes in humanity without it actually having to be the human character like actually do those things right yeah and for without it being like it's just another movie that avoids the whole like ah dumb humans and and then ultimately it gives agency to uh the character very much i think what what has been interesting is i think that despite the bumps along the way i do think that like kind of getting to that moment where hero is like so questioning his like his worldview and his life mm-hmm. i think i think it does effectively get to that point even though there were kind of bumps along the way in like especially in in the first movie and getting into two were kind of started to kind of go in that direction i think i think the thing that the strength of haru is like i think haru's character in this movie really does kind of is the one thing where i can see the connection from that second movie into it whereas again there's a lot of stuff where it's just like the doubling down on the exif and the sudden destruction of of the space station and stuff like that, I feel like kind of separate this movie mm-hmm. and make it feel like kind of it's it's in a different place than those two. I think Haru's journey, especially going from the end of two into three, I think really kind of makes sense. Yeah, definitely. Um, so where does our our little villagers fit into all of this? Um, so essentially, post the uh, if we go back towards the beginning of the movie, post the. The failure of me- of um, you know the Mecha Godzilla City project and and the you know all that sort of stuff. They are back in the the village um, for the time being, mm. uh, and essentially the main thing that kind of happens is so as part of the uh, arguments that are happening on the the ship about you know is Haru guilty, you know should he be protected, all that sort of stuff. It's essentially recommended to Haru that he basically go into hiding. Mm-hmm. That they they basically like again, kind of like again, if there was some. I'm sorry to go back to this, but if there was some more little setup of like the 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 spaceship because there there is an element of that where it's like again, kind of they're in fighting and and they're like they're pushing away of. Like, in some one- reasons, in some ways, this does feel like the most rushed of the of the three. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but just because it's like again, you could have again led to that moment where it's like all the infighting, all all the like un, unable to make decisions or unable to like really stand at a point because their whole thing is like we'll just push him away, that we'll push her away, and eventually you know we'll be like oh he escaped and like you know it'll eventually hopefully simmer down. Mm-hmm. Like the fact that they don't have like any real distinctive like moments of just like we're we're putting our foot here does kind of lend to that. It's just like it's just not set up enough to like really justify right, the whole right, right. But mm-hmm. anyways. So essentially, Haru kind of basically kind of keeps in hiding in the cave, and he, he is met and 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 uh, joined by one of our um, basically our our, our fairy stand-ins, right? One, yeah, the one of our main girls, the, the one of the twins, mm-hmm. um, and she essentially like they talk about you know the, their main conversation is about what does it mean to win or to lose, mm-hmm. and to the the underground race. 
and to her winning means survival Mm -hmm. and losing means death Mm -hmm. so it's just essentially it's just kind of like whereas for haru throughout this whole journey and i think this is one of the things he's coming to terms with is that winning was beat godzilla losing was don't beat godzilla and we lose earth right whereas she's like surviving in and of itself is a win and the the loss is losing that connection to life and Mm -hmm. and her whole thing is like I can connect you back. I can connect you with life. That is what I do. So let me connect you to life. Then she bears herself. Right. <laughs> and then gets a steadfast. The sensual time. He, she, she basically goes full nudity mm-hmm. for him. We don't see any of it, of course, because it's, you know, tasteful, yeah. which is good. Tasteful nudes. Tasteful nudity. Um, but Haru basically is a stone cold, like, is like, I just want to go to bed, buddy. Yeah. Like, like sorry. Like, and, well, a little more, a little more receptive the 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 second time around, but you yeah. know, well, just, it, just, just to a cuddle, he cuddles. Yeah, and essentially, what it ends up happening is like um, the other twin gets essentially taken by uh, Metaphys mm-hmm. to basically almost, I think, like help him enhance like his his uh his communication with Ghidorah mm-hmm. in some ways because like she's like psychic or he's she was, I think he just needed like it was just a hostage. Yeah. Yeah. I mean it was other than no He's reason. also well yeah, he's also being weird too. He's just like look at my god. Yeah. Like he's doing that. And it, you know, he's he's being real creepy towards her mm-hmm. and like being like get down and me and it's like mm-hmm. that's not like that doesn't look good <laughs> like, at all. Um hey, I mean he cut off the heads of the other guys. <laughs> he did. Yeah, he he let her survive. So we get to this point, and before we get to like the rest of her storyline, mm-hmm. I do want to get to this point because basically at that point we're like because they're at the point now in the movie where again the Metaphys and and the rest of the Exif because it's like a, a tandem with the Exif on the ship are have basically again summoned Ghidorah, they've killed everybody on the ship, and Ghidorah's come to Earth, and then all the rest of the surviving humans are basically looking on this in confusion, mm-hmm. which is like. And the thing is, I get it. I totally get it in terms of, like, you need to find a ways to explain what's going on with Ghidorah. Right. And, you know, it's it's kind of like you could just have Metaphys just, like, say what it is, but it's like, oh, we're going to have the humans figure it out. The only problem is, is, like, they cut back to that, like, four or five different times. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it just basically never really goes anywhere. Mm-hmm. And it's like... At one point, it's just like we get the idea because it's like it goes back. Because it's also it's not as if because at this point in the fight, you know, we've seen like Godzilla try to swipe at Ghidorah and he can't. Like he goes through it like as if it were like 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 it's light. He's going through like he swipes at Ghidorah and his hand just brushes through like it's just unsolid. And then Ghidorah bites him, and then it's like oh man. And then it's like oh man, like how can Ghidorah bite but Godzilla can't hit? Wait, Godzilla is charging up again. It, right. it bent the Th- beam. This is, this is where it kind of gets into the, like, okay, and, and, it, it where just, are we like, going with it this? Really, this is where there, it just feels like, you could have easily simplified this. Right. Like it's, it really did feel like we kept going back and they kept asking questions and it was just like, yeah, we get it. It's like he's not here like he's not physically here on this earth, but he can. You know, it's like we we get the idea. Right, right. And, no, and, no, I I agree. And I it's agree. just it just really that's another thing that like really just kind of hurt this movie for me. It's just like because you're also like you're cutting this with like the Haru and Metaphy stuff, which is genuinely getting kind of interesting and mm-hmm. kind of like it's almost like you know you were my you know you were my friend 
like type of thing. And then again, we get into like kind of the mental games and, and that explanation was all so much more interesting. And even if, if, if it is mostly that kind of kingdom hearts sunken place type of deal, it is still more visually interesting than Godzilla just basically like slowly being like, sure. Drained of energy. Yeah. 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 It's just like, it just that, that the explanation stuff doesn't give that much flavor mm-hmm. and it kind of hurts that element of the movie. Um, but eventually what ends up happening is that they basically realize, you know, um, the doctor character mm-hmm. uh, and our our twin that, that is in love with Haru mm-hmm. eventually realize together almost that, oh, Ghidorah is on another plane of existence and someone on this planet, on this plane of existence is communicating with it. That's how it's able to see, you know, Godzilla. Because also like it doesn't appear on their screens at all or... You know, again, that's also part of it. So our our twin that's um, in love with Haru, she basically is like, we need to communicate with with Haru and and tell him about everything that's happening because I can I think she senses that like he's being like you know right, he, right. he's being communicated with mentally because of her power like she can communicate with things mentally. So it's like we need to go to our egg, we need to go to our god, and basically get through to Haru so that you know he can he can stop this. Yeah, I mean, they don't really like it. What what makes that part, and I, and I actually thought this was like a fun part where what makes it cool is like they're like, listen, we got to reach out to him, so they don't actually say it's like just come follow me. So then they commune with the egg, and basically they call out to Mothra, and Mothra basically enters the dreamscape. I and and I I I, I love this. Yeah, I absolutely love this because. I was kind of thinking like when we got to the when we got the reveal of like the Mothra egg and like kind of this new version of the Mothra society. Mm-hmm. I was kind of thinking, oh, I was like, well, is Mothra gonna be involved somehow? Is she gonna be like the savior of the day? Because I was like, on the one hand, I was like, I love Mothra. I love seeing new interpretations of Mothra. On the other hand, I was like, I can already imagine that, um, especially kind of being this whole kind of trilogy that that can be very like busy. Or is either going to be like way too busy with Mothra, or you're basically not going to do enough with her. Mm-hmm. But I felt that this interpretation was great because what happens is they're in the dreamscape, and it's specifically in the World War II stuff where he's like showing them the atom bomb. We see kind of like again, just kind of the nature of the dream. We see this outline of Mothra, and then uh, Metaphys- a, a not bad kind of like looking design. No, like- it's just like again, just a kind of and then. And then Metaphys says something to the effect like, damn the blasphemous. Yeah. Because like, he's like, knows it's like another god. But <laughs> right, it's like, right, right. Blasphemous. And then essentially, like, you don't need a whole Mothra thing. But again, it's that it's almost taking the essence of Mothra as a spiritual creature. Mm-hmm. And essentially, she basically runs her, like, it's like kind of like a black cloud thing. Right. It's like a black, like, ink blob of Mothra. She basically interrupts the dream. She interrupts the dream. She goes through the biplane that they're in and essentially disintegrates it. Haru falls out of it. And then uh, his girl basically, like, comes into contact with him and, like, you know, you know, connect. And they're like, listen, like, listen to me. This is what's going on. You need to kind of realize what's happening. And, again, like, you know, kind of going back to their whole, like, we, you know, winning and, and life and, mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And, you know, and eventually, like, again, the doctor also gets through to him uh, to an extent. And, it, again, it just kind of awakens him a moment. Right, of just right. Like, because you can kind of feel we're, we're at the point of the dream where it's like you can kind of see, like, he's on the edge. And he doesn't know which side he's going to go because he's – these images that Metaphys is putting into his head are, are 
there's they're con- they're convincing him mm-hmm. like as much as he doesn't want to be convinced they are kind of getting through to him and it's almost like beating him down right and then that kind of connection <sighs> into the rest of the scene kind of reminds him there's a little bit i feel like there's a little bit of a reminder of just like there is more to kind of live for well what I, what i also like about it too is that it really is a big reminder of like what is the status of the monsters in, in the in these movies because what i what i actually do like that there is a status and and an importance that um that is associated with all these monsters without necessarily giving them any personalities because i would say all the monsters in general don't really have any personalities in in this but they're able to give them a certain status that makes them just as powerful i think i think in the past when you don't give any of the monsters any personality, you can get mixed results. And it's also like a difference between, like, you're really showing the difference between something like those little flying bat creatures and Godzilla, Ghidorah, and Mothra. So with even just a little role like this for Mothra, it is funny because, like, for the most part, these are this is a very, whether you like it or not, this trilogy is very human-centric. Yeah. And the monsters come in for truly godlike mm-hmm. intervention. Um, and it, it is also funny because, like, now that I say that, it is funny that there's a lot of, like, you know, the, the divine intervention is talked about a couple times in this movie. And this is an actual, you could argue, is an actual moment of divine yeah. intervention. You know, what I really also like about this Mothra appearance is, like, there is, there's, it's like, it's almost like a subtle implication that at the end of the day, she's, like, the most powerful. Because, oh, yeah, yeah. Because, because... Yes, like Adora's from this alternate universe, but she can just blindly like she she can go into a dreamscape, like a like a reality that doesn't even exist. Yeah, she goes into a greenscape, a mental scape, and and can alter it and 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 change it Mm -hmm. in in her form. I I couldn't agree more. I I, I love this the moment I saw it, and I and I I think it's like again, it's like because again, I think like you could have gone to a trap where we actually have the egg hatch or something, and then that you get a two on one fight, like you know, and it's like. Without like so much of the setup of the other movies, it's just a way that it goes. I could imagine it being very busy, or you have that egg hatch, and then you don't do enough with Mothra as a real form to mm-hmm. kind of really truly present her as a as a purely spiritual energy mm-hmm. is is so cool. To I me. have to I have to give it to the story crew on this one. I think this is like a pretty ingenious way of not having Mothra in your movie, but yeah. then having Mothra in your movie. Yeah, like, it really yeah. is a having your cake and eating it too. Right, they, I and, think and they it, did and it. And it really works. Yeah, I, I, I like that But this is the point where it's like, you know, and then, you know, she just, again, again, now he, Haru has that connection back to the outside world that he is still kind of in Metaphys's dream state, but he has that connection back to reality. And so... This is where like ex- like he goes f- like uh, where Metaphys goes full on broke where he brings in the grandfather and essentially like kind of implies slash reveals that he was the one who set up the destruct uh, destruction of the um, like all the elderly the the elderly ship that because he knew it would spur right uh, and then it's also like but then that- I I also read that as kind of like a that was like a like also like a like a gracious move too. Because yeah. it's like they were elderly, like they're only going to come to this planet and die and suffer. And right. whatever you can say about Metaphys, he didn't seem to be like a, a that much of a sadistic type right. at, yeah. all the time. So Yeah, but it's also then the implications too that like Metaphys has basically been 
you know, and, and him trying to think he's been a friend of, of Haru, like, his whole life, mm-hmm. like, you know, and, and kind of setting that up. But eventually, Haru does reject this mm-hmm. and essentially says, you know, like, just the what you would think the theme is just like, right. you know, if we came back here and we just died, it was essentially all for nothing. All the people that died before this, it's not guilty of me to want to continue to survive. It's It's my duty to make sure I... I live on and live on as best I can because of the sacrifices that they made. Because mm-hmm. well, again, the, the exif are basically like, well, everybody's going to die anyway. So don't, you know, feel, you know, feel that guilt of the rest of the destruction you've already caused and just accept your death. Whereas Haru comes to the realization that like those people died in sacrifice of our goal of survival, you know, again, going back to even what the, what the twins said, where it's like the, the, you know, his realization that the, the win is to survive that the just surviving is good thing. Mm -hmm. So those sacrifices that all those people that have died made to get him to this moment, if he chooses to die, then it was all for nothing. Mm -hmm. So whether or not he can defeat the monsters he is going to survive, mm-hmm. and that's really what brings him to, you know, the victory. Because right. he basically like has this big speech. He essentially gets to the point where he destroys the amulet and destroys Metaphys's eye. At which point, Ghidorah becomes physical within Earth realm, mm-hmm. um, and again, Godzilla kicks his ass. Right. Which is a little bit of a fun moment. I, I, yeah. I did like how they visualized I, it. I did like it, too. Like, I like the visual of the beam bending when they like reality's bending. Mm-hmm. But I also was like, that was one of those things, too, where it was like the whole thing of just like, because, you know, on the ship, they're like, there's a whole time distortion and reality distortion thing. And then they kind of play with it early on in the fight. And then it just kind of got, again, it kind of just turns into right. Godzilla's like being drained of energy. I, so it's I, like, I, it, it I kinda, have to say, though, the image of him being entangled in Ghidorah is like kind of like a fun image. And yeah, you know, obviously it's in the poster. So they knew what they were doing. So yeah. I, I just thought that was kind yeah. of like a fun, right. a fun yeah. image. No, but, it, but then, yeah, Godzilla basically like completely decimating, like it destroys one of the heads outright. It like beams another head it like breaks the jaw classically of the other ones so it like it kind of was a nice like final moment but it's also to the point too that like again it's one of those things where because Godzilla hasn't been like a character mm-hmm. more of a presence because he's really really only at the end of all the movies um it, it the like the jaw breaking thing it almost doesn't feel as like satisfactory as like as in like something like King of the Monsters where it's right, like, right. like yeah, okay. this whole right. character. It's just it's just like it's the nature of the movie and again the human focus and the the, the human character focus is the bigger deal. Mm-hmm. So that's just more of a fun moment as opposed to being like a yeah, just because it's not it's not really what that moment is kind of meant to be, I think. Um so then that ultimately kind of you know, it leaves uh, Godzilla wins the day. Um, obviously our space station is no more, so it leaves our ground crew to essentially live out the rest of their lives with the natives. So it's basically, because it's essentially like, as you know, because they've already, all all their equipment has already been destroyed, you know, by Godzilla in that first movie, essentially. Like, they had, like, one ship, and now that's basically not going to get off the ground either. So they're basically, without the space station to help them out, they're essentially, yeah. So mm-hmm. basically the, the surviving peoples of Earth are now 
the ground crew from the original space station and our underground society. So this ultimately gets into another positive element for me. I, I am a big fan of the way this movie ends. I dug it. Um, I will say that. And it is one of those things where I like if I think about where we started and like and, and I'm talking about like the even the final scenes and shots of the movie like I'm a huge fan of so because ultimately what it is earlier in the movie they discover that one of the vulture suits um like the the you know the iron man flying suits from like the from part two uh they found a leftover or the third one yeah um but there was no way to activate it since you know mecha godzilla city was destroyed and like yeah yeah it was just basically like it was there but there was it was basically like dead weight right so uh, our professor character, you know, you think that everything is over. These guys are going to live out their lives with the um, with the the natives, and um, right because there's a whole montage of them eventually joining the natives and like showcasing that they're essentially they've gotten rid of their suits and they're essentially like the rest of their technology. They've like buried it and they've they've essentially joined the society. And then Haru has also gotten one of the twins mm-hmm. pregnant. Right. Um, so the professor character is re- reveals that he has been able to reactivate one of the vulture characters using the uh, character's suits with the um, nano machines found in Yuko's comatose body, and basically is saying like, "Oh, with this, I can reverse engineer something, and we can use the nanotechnology, and we can like you know get our technology back, and we can rebuild civilization and everything." Uh, and Haru is still plagued by uh, Metaphys, uh, the words Metaphys left for him. Because there's also the implication that being a fifth dimensional being, that Ghidorah is still out there and right. is still and, like a force that will be hunting. There's literally an implication of just like that a part of Ghidorah or a part of Metaphys has like ingrained itself into Haru. Right, right. Where it's like essentially like, essentially because he like holds his head and, and Metaphys is like, you're on the path again. Mm-hmm. Like, this is just going to lead back to the same loop, the same cycle. Right, right. So this... this, Yeah, so it, it's a little bit... This part of it I'm a little bit, like, iffy about. Not that I'm opposed to the message. It's just kind of like, you know, it's, an inter- it's always an interesting, like, thing where, you know, the character is like, you know, your penchant for, you know, um, prosperity is what they say. Uh, is going to be your downfall. So it, it's kind of like that that yeah. that age old like man. Once you dive deep into science, it's always going to bite you in the butt. Which you know it, it's it, it's fine. Like you know that that that's a fine message. I I don't necessarily know if you know that is if we one hundred percent earned getting to that being like one of the themes of, of, of all of this. Yeah. Uh, uh, but but it. that being said, yeah. um, so our character Haru, he decides to, you know, he's going to take basically all the right. He's going to Terminator to it. He's going to take anything that can basically build Skynet and get it destroyed. So right. he's going to take Yuko's body, which has the nano machines and the Vulture suit, and and sacrifice himself yeah. essentially. Now, what I liked about this too is, first of all, the how he does it is there's the he he's fly straight at godzilla and so there's a bunch of story and thematic things that i i'll get to in a minute but first just the visual of him flying towards godzilla and then it's like extreme wide shot like landscape shot of godzilla like shooting the um uh shooting the um, what no just keep going what 
No. Well, <laughs> I was looking at the time. Nick, like, Nick was looking at the, the recorder. I thought something was wrong. Um, but uh, so he shoots the uh, Godzilla with his beam, shoots the suit, and then like it, it's super far away. So then it like blows up the suit, and then the suit like crashes into the body. Um, so I just like that visual. I just thought like, and it was like, and it's so far away that it's like the the sound is really muted. Um, so I just like that visual of it. So story wise, a lot of the things that I like about this is that we went through this whole story about like when he's confronting his enemy of like metaphys and everything, you know, there is like this strong sense of like, you know, this was all worth something and everything like that. Um, but what I liked about it was that the, this is the way I read it was that throughout this whole journey, he has learned that, you know, maybe this is where life was supposed to go. Maybe something like Godzilla is in, is beyond, humanity like it's it's something that you can't beat and you know he's kind of uh gone through that struggle of like feeling like he could and maybe there wasn't any room for that even when he's talking to one of the twins you know he asked the questions like do you hate godzilla and then she basically said like, well do you hate like like a thunderstorm do you like i'm scared of godzilla but do you like do you like really hate it like yeah. you i don't know if that's like something like they don't even have a, like a concept of doing something like that yeah they don't have a um, word in their language for hate. so the so the unspoken there's a couple unspoken things about this where haru's basically maybe learning like you know you can be scared of this thing but you know if you equate it to something like a storm or or a hurricane like you can't beat it so this whole thing that he's dedicated his life to being an enemy of is something unbeatable. And there's also this plot line from the second part about, like, you know, are you going to become, like, the, a creature yourself or a, a beast yourself? And he has this line that I don't remember the exact words for, but he did he does say something to the, to the, um, um, to the sound of, um, you know, losing is something that will differentiate me from it, this it's just thing. like if you never lose you're no better than the beast right so something to that extent i thought that was a really interesting kind of idea that you know maybe the fact maybe the agency that he can get out of all of this is that he has to lose yeah like and i and i thought like that was like maybe the most if i had to pinpoint like probably the most unique and powerful and successful moral of this whole trilogy and for me that made it all worth it is that like i thought it was extremely powerful than all these stories and it's not like um a king of the monsters type thing where it's like oh you know let the monsters reign supreme like maybe it if in a me versus the monster me losing actually gives me back my humanity and i and i thought like that was like the that was like very interesting and then the whole and then at the same time he's actually able to get his catharsis in many ways he's able to you know kind of it all comes down to him versus godzilla so he he's still going to lose to godzilla he's going to accept that wrath and then on a grander scheme like godzilla will fulfill its like destiny if you want to say by wiping out and truly becoming this next stage of evolution by wiping out everything that preceded it well and again it's just that his other thing i I would agree with you i think all that really works again all the bump for all the bumps in the road that we got to Haru I do think he's genuinely kind of goes through an interesting thing in this movie um I did really like all that I like the conversation he has with essentially his wife now mm-hmm. about that where she like real he she knows like he's he's going to die and he basically is like he says like you know sometimes you just it's like losing is what makes us us it's like again like 
if you don't lose, then you're a beast yourself. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, I wish, you know, if I was around for long enough, you would probably understand that. And it's basically like going to help her grow as well and help the society grow. And it is also because, again, he's he realizes, too, that he's truly the last that, like, hates Godzilla because even even there, there's a level of he is the last human there who's going to be in for you know to keep it kind of like thematically in in line he's the only one who's infected with with all the past of he's infected by the hatred for Godzilla he's literally Yuko's body is infected with something that can infect the rest of the planet and his mind is maybe infected by the remnants of Ghidorah and Metaphys uh, it's basically like I'm I'm the last of like it's it's basically like time to completely bury the past mm-hmm. I am the last of the people who remember your destruction because mm-hmm. even like he like even like the doctor is kind of like at a point where he's just more so like just he doesn't like have he a, doesn't have those hang-ups he doesn't like, have those same hang-ups mm-hmm. yeah so basically because it's it's also funny because it's like i you know it's kind of him looking around the cave right before he makes this decision when he hears like someone is like yeah like you know it's like some some one of the other like one of the other random characters like well it's gonna be nice that we don't have to live in this cave anymore and then another person's like well you know it's really not that bad once you get used to it mm-hmm. and it's almost like that's like the decision right there that it's like this is the way that we need to right, live, in right. the, live in the world. And it's like, I am the one thing that can, can help this. Whole right. And, and I think the reason I, I the, the little bit of me was mixed is because I, I do kind of roll my eyes when it comes to the, like, you know, the lessons learned means that you have to live the primitive lifestyle. Like not yeah. that I have anything wrong with that. It's just kind of like, okay like right. that's yeah, kind of it's like, like it's like technology is bad like it technology will lead us to doom like, right it, it, it does you know it's very you know it's like you you get away it's with war it's very you, you get away with stuff like that and like planet of the apes right right like you get away with stuff like that but it's just, it feels like at this point it's like yeah it, it seemed very it seemed for this whole and not and that's why i i think a lot of this other stuff I said became a little bit more powerful of a message and I think is ultimately where it got to. But yeah. this one kind of little thematic element, I was kind of like, really all this? And like, that seems like kind of rote that we, we got to mm-hmm. that, that point. Um, and then, you know, and then we learned that his name means spring and then we learned that it's spring and all the spring flowers are out. And then, you know, when he dies, the camera pans down to a spring flower. It means, so he's like part of, he's like part of the earth anyway. Like, so he, it's know. very, it's a very anime. Ending. <laughs> like, that's a, it's a very, very anime ending. Yeah. Like it's a very, even like, it's a very like kind of like final fantasy yeah. ending somewhere. I, I think if anybody has been listening to this podcast, I am one of those people who I will attach myself to palpable themes if I think that they are working uh, to a, a, a decent degree for myself. So I, I think that with, I think in many ways, because I, I will say this, I went into this if I had to re-remember this trilogy. I went in and saying like, oh, Planet Eater was easily like my favorite and I thought the best of the three. After kind of rewatching them a little bit, like I would say that maybe if I really thought about it, maybe uh, part two is maybe objectively the best thing, but uh, of the three. But at the same time, this one has all of those elements that I personally like on like a deeper kind of like analytical level that I like. But the problem is overall is that all the issues are still very present with yeah. the entire trilogy. I still go back to. It's nowhere near as fun as I think it should be. 
Um, I, I think it gets like a little bit too heavy on either it, it gets like very kind of like sloppy in some of its pacing um, for every excellent like directed moment there's like kind of like two or three awkward like missteps in like how the story is told um, and I, I think that that's like the biggest thing I think it's just a little bit um, marble mouthed in how it wants to get out some of its ideas yeah I came yes I'm very much in agreement where I think my here's my thing. I think if I had to rank them, I would say like some of my favorite parts of the trilogy lie in the planet either. But I do think that at the end of the day, that the city on the edge of battle is like the most well put together. It like is just feels like yeah. it's like the most well a singular story. It feels like it's the most well paced of the three of them, and I feel like it kind of has a nice kind of journey throughout it i feel like that's kind of where i feel like it's almost like to an extent it's like the stuff i like in planet eater i like so much that it's almost like two and three are kind of tied in that way Mm -hmm. it's just that i think that there's just a more kind of things i have issues with in planet Eater. well city City on the edge of battle is is easily the most fun to watch out of all three of yes i would agree but like it's hard because you know for me um because we do know like Obviously, I think, and one of the things that you know, we like um, that we should just get out, and, and I kind of mentioned this in the first part of the episode, uh, or episode part one, was that this is a very maligned trilogy, in, in, especially in kaiju uh, in Twitter, mm-hmm. um, and uh, some of our own fans are are, are not big fans uh, of yeah. it um, as well. But for me, it's hard because if all of you guys have been listening to this podcast. Like, I don't think it's a surprise, at least for me, I'm sure it's not a surprise for you that I think that while two is probably the most fun, um, planet eater has all the stuff that is more fun for me to talk about. Yes. And it's that one thing where it puts the entire, even though I don't think that planet eater is like by any stretch, like, like a all around great package. It has all the moments that make me talk about the entire trilogy in a positive way, if that makes sense. It, yeah. it, it's where most of the elements that I will enjoy about this trilogy that I like, which I guess comes down to how we feel about the entire trilogy. And I think that's kind of how I feel about it. I feel like it's just, it, I, th- I feel it's, it's very ambitious. Um, and um, I think it, for be- good and for ill, it's more interesting as it goes along. Yes. Um, I think, but the for ill part of that, meaning that it's not as good as it should be up at the front and because of some of the more awkward storytelling later on. I actually, I, I don't mind anybody who would get to the end of this and just simply not be into it. I, I, I would, I completely understand because like a lot of this stuff speaks to me and I like a lot of, like thematically rich stuff like that, but I will also acknowledge like if that stuff isn't speaking to you and you are right right for wanting some of those more fun elements in your Godzilla movie and if none of that's clicking then you kind of get this like very awkwardly told movie where everybody's just kind of like giving like your general uh you know anime soliloquies. <laughs> yeah, um it's interesting for me because I I am legitimately at a point now, and I mean, I think this is kind of where, it's just kind of like, my view on it almost comes from where I am as kind of a movie viewer and a movie goer, Mm -hmm. for a couple reasons. 
one again i'm just at a point where i i just can't get like angry at a movie mm-hmm. like i i can definitely say a movie is good or bad like i can definitely say listen i've I, i've mentioned many times that i've been watching like disney plus as much as i've enjoyed my like me going deeper into like the 60s 70s and 80s period of disney which is again like from the live action perspective don't know i can admit that i've seen some dogs not just dogs in movies from some from some dogs and films i love calling things dogs i love it um so i've seen some like i've seen some not great stuff from like the disney 70s and 80s and but i can also say that like genuinely i try to i just at this point in my life try to find positive things even in the worst things i watch well i think for me it comes down to more it's like i I don't know i just didn't i didn't really like there wasn't anything particularly off-putting about any of these yeah really i mean the biggest one is that part one is kind of boring yeah that's Um, really in but like to me it's like the other thing about it is like it's a netflix thing like that's why i can't get mad because (laughs) No, oh, because right, like right. It's no, no, a, no. It, yeah, you did. You you kind of t- touched upon this in the last one. I right. Think. It's like it's streaming. Like, mm. it's one of those things where it's like I'm. You know, it's not like I paid three separate movie tickets and like you know, it, it's not to me. It's not like going to see Batman v Superman. I know we bring this up all the time. It's like it's not like going to see Batman v Superman and then deciding to go see Justice League and like just kind of having to sit through those two movies. Right. One more entertaining than the other. But it is just like I, you know, if it's a thing on a streaming service, it's just like I'm paying my requisite seven, mm-hmm. eight, nine, ten, whatever bucks a month. I watch the thing and I'm like, okay, well, that was just included in my general package, right? And I did that just for me personally. It's just hard for me to get like upset at that. Well, I, I want to open it up I, to everybody to see like what because the general. Res- but, uh, sorry, I, go, sorry. Go ahead. I just want to say. I'm also someone who like if you I'm not saying like you're wrong for not liking this like I can I'm on Will's side I can easily see you going through all three of these and just not connecting with it yeah. especially as a Godzilla fan. Well, I mean, you are like kind of like one out of 3 on on, on them really. <laughs> like, kind so, of. Yeah. I mean, I I guess it's like it's really like one and a half. Mm-hmm. Like uh, one and a half more so. Mm. And it's also but but again, it's like I do like to try to take the positives and I'm just genuinely it's it's I think just talking about it, you know. I think like I said, like how in the first one, like talking about those two movies made me like two better and like one worse. I think talking about it made me like three a little bit better mm. um than I did initially going out of it. Well it's interesting because it, it seemed to me that um one was actually it seemed pretty well received by like people. Um, which is interesting. Two was the one that was very maligned in terms of we talked a little bit about like I think some of that is honestly fueled by the Mecha Godzilla thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that was very off putting for, uh, for yeah, a lot of fans. Yeah, especially if it's like you got. I, I think like the thing too is like I like you told me the thing about how you know the Mecha Godzilla kind of face appears on the poster, right? And, yeah, and I feel like if I had known that, then mm. you know I might have like had more. Like it's just I didn't know that going in, so I just kind of took what the movie was giving me. This one, from my understanding, got a little bit more mixed reviews. Like there was a lot. There were some people who enjoyed the ambition of it, like the swinging for the fence element of it, and then there were other people who, you know, just just it just didn't land. It it, it didn't land for them. Um, and then. But I think it, it it is fair to say that, and here, and this is coming from somebody, me personally, who I would say that generally I'm I'm positive. I would say I'm way more positive about the trilogy 
than um, most of my kaiju uh, friends and family. Um, But it reminds me a lot of the Star Wars sequel trilogy in a little bit of ways. And, And not in a direct comparison movie to movie, but there does seem to be this sense where, you know, there was this big excitement for... Um, three new movies that are kind of like delving into a different territory for the franchise. And then, you know, as the three movies come out, like everybody kind of has their different opinions on them. But I also don't know anybody who would say that the trilogy, I'm talking about Star Wars here. I don't know anybody who would honestly say that the trilogy was everything that it could slash should have been, Mm -hmm. you know, I know that's a whole can of worms, right. but but you kind of get what I mean. Like, no, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. There, there's that, a like, there's a lot of people. Like even, who, like, I, 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 there's certainly stuff about that Star Wars trilogy I do like, but even I would admit that like it just doesn't hit all the home runs that like you feel like it could have. Yeah, and and I feel like that's what the this this trilogy feels like. I feel like first Godzilla anime trilogy, it's going getting really weird and crazy with like the big high concept of the monster planet thing. Um, and the first episode kind of fumbles the ball on that. And then no matter what you think about the rest of the two movies, I think that there is a sense you look back on this trilogy and it's nowhere near as like cool or memorable or fun or great. It just it, it doesn't quite live up. And I know like I kind of eye roll when like everything's based off of does it live up to something. Right. But you, you can think of the impact that it has made on its audience. And I feel like you get through you you know you get through a trilogy of movies and you're like do you feel as fulfilled and satisfied you may think some things are interesting about it you may have enjoyed certain episodes uh more so than others but you know if it doesn't ultimately land and that's kind of where i'm coming with the sequel trilogy with the star wars and i feel like that is what i'm sensing from fan from from kaiju fans um and frankly I don't blame them. Like I, 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 am yeah. empathetic to that point. There's, of there's view. no blame. I think for definitely like having a harsher view on these. Mm-hmm. The only, the two other things I would say, I do think that you just kind of, I still kind of wish, as much as I think that two and three try to do more with the visual nature of it, I still think that like. It's just it doesn't have much visually interesting that you want to go back to. I right, think. right. I do think like you know because I think like you know the the light got like, you know the the being of lights that Ghidorah has brings something new to it and like again like kind of the dreamscape stuff kind of you know brings some different colors but there's still like a very washed out gray type of tone to everything and again like the the anime that I genuinely like draw myself to are the are the very more colorful ones like mm. you know like I said I said like the cowboy bebops the um you know the uh the dragon balls you know all that sort of the pokemons like there's just a colorful nature to like great japanese anime that I really do enjoy that I feel like this movie lacks mm-hmm. the other thing is like I still go back to and you wouldn't do it one-to-one as it is here. Like, obviously, you have to change the story somewhat. But I do still wonder, like, if this was, like, an anime series and you had, like, more a little bit more exploration and a little bit more planting and payoff of, of the different things. It wouldn't have to be, like, a very long thing. But I kind of just imagine that, like, you probably could have gotten a little bit more drama oh, out of it. Oh, yeah, you can see it's, like, the first one is the Planet of Monsters arc. The second one is, like, the Mechagodzilla, right. like, saga. And then the next one is the Planet Eater saga. Right, yeah, you, think, you can see them I doing it. I think the it. other thing about it is, like, I feel like 
yes, there definitely are pacing issues in the first and the third one. I'm not going to say like the second one is perfectly paced either, but I do feel like as weird as we would say like extending it out, but like just the the concept of just extending it out and giving your characters more to do mm-hmm. in the different locations in the different worlds and coming across maybe more monsters or more like you know technical issues and, and more exploration of the three races and and giving more t- like giving more time to the thing the stuff going on on the arc and maybe that kind of extends to when that destruction happens and mm-hmm. maybe you do get the plant like you do have this character arc of the one guy who's getting more into the exif religion and introducing it in that way i just feel like weirdly enough i think like extending out the storylines and like coming up with more issues for the characters to deal with cuz it does feel like at the end of the day that some of this does get rushed because they're telling these three stories in three movies, but it feels like they're trying to get to. Mm-hmm. You know, it just feels like there's more story to tell in some places. Right, but here's something I want you to tell me: Who does Harrison Ford voice? In this, this is a series? tough one. This is a tough. Oh, one. I oh oh I have it. You're gonna. It, it's it's a dumb answer. It's a dumb answer. Is it like? president like at the beginning before all this like no no okay, good it's so even that... more dumb than that it's godzilla <laughs> just have him just have him grunt and moan like because godzilla you know he's kind of got that like like that thing where he's like <laughs> this this just reminds me of how um we just had the um uh, for those of you who know we just had the uh min min smash reveal and at the end of that reveal, the director of Smash Brothers Sakurai basically talks about how he brought in like the the original voice of Captain Falcon to like do stuff for the Min Min trailer. And when you go back to the trailer, like you realize it's just him eating. Mm-hmm. So I just imagine like you get Harrison Ford to come into a studio, just do grunts, and just do like grunts and like. Eh, you can source it from other grunts that he's done in other movies, right? And I think like you you do like kind of a Godzilla uh, style grunt, but it's like. You just like, you know, he's like, that belongs in a museum. <laughs> no, no, no. He has one line, and that's, get off my universe. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I was kind of thinking that's very creative. Like, I, You know what I like about that? It's very much in the spirit of the trilogy. Just going completely just off the wall, trying something new. I'm going to go with that. I'll go with that. Yeah, I think I think that works. I mean, I think yeah, my requisite like was like somebody like on Earth as they were going, like he was like the director of the Hedora project or something. But the, but yours is, is from where it's more in spirit with the with the with the with the anime trilogy. Um. So yeah, I re like resp- I, I we've already got responses to part one. Um. And I'm actually very open to because I you know I, I I'm generally positive, but I'm you know not that attached to this trilogy. So I'm I'm really. Uh, keen to see what people think because this is the one Godzilla thing that is it's well you know it's fan Twitter so it's like you know that they're a little bit more passionate but even with them you know there is a little bit more of like a like there could be some division between like what eras of Godzilla you know people like you know there are some like in retrospect like oh the Hasey era is not not that great and there's things like well you're a dummy if like you like the legendary movies over shit like you know there's obviously oh, those there's always things. that sort of stuff but this one seems to be the one where like everybody just assumes you're on the same page with like 
oh, th- this blows. Like the the the, the anime trilogy blows. So like I, I am interested in hearing like you know please like reach out like on like on our social media um, with um, uh, with uh, if you didn't care for it just with your thoughts and what you think about our readings of it. Yeah, especially with all all three movies discussed and the whole scope of the trilogy, I'm very interested because it's interesting that we had so much positive things to say and and also at the end of the day we're like yeah it's not like amazing yeah um all right so that is it for the anime trilogy so i hope everybody enjoyed this two-parter episode talking about that um i don't have anything to announce for our next godzilla episode but i i i could probably say it'll be something a little bit a little bit light maybe it's not a wasn't a clue just you're looking oh. at me as if it, no it wasn't a clue it was like literally like we spent two I'm, e- I'm waiting for the King Kong stuff Will <laughs> well, well you know I, I think it's something because you know we dive we, deep so into this as a two parter that yeah. we may need something a little bit more breezy War of the Gargantuans no, we'll, we'll see we'll, I don't know we'll I won't I won't say but we do have enough time now as was pointed out to us on Twitter we have plenty of time to go through all the Kongs. You know that's going to make me just not want to do it. You can't ask me to do something. Like all of you, all of you, don't encourage, don't encourage this man. Um, anyway, so go ahead, and uh, we well, are watching. In, in, uh, in the spirit, being, sp- yeah, sorry, go ahead. In the spirit of the very religious exif, we're going to be born again <laughs> by rewatching Jesus Christ. That's Jason Bourne. <laughs> uh, we're going to be watching uh, The Born Identity. That's the first one. Mm-hmm. Um, and going into what seems to be a very big influence on where the Bond franchise went and kind of the the counter, you know, and where the counter stuff like uh, Kingsman and and even Mission Impossible have tried to go away from mm. is is what, what, what the, the style of action film that the Born movies, the Born... Um, uh, series of films uh, has brought us, and it's going to be timely because they're just opening up a Bourne stunt show at Universal Orlando. Awesome. Can't wait. I'm looking forward to that one. I haven't seen it in quite some time. Um, Alright, well, that's it for us. You're done, I'm done, we're done, so plug away. Alright, bonzillapod at gmail.com uh, twitter.com slash bonzilla007 Again, let us know what you think if you have any questions or concerns. Uh, Facebook.com slash Bonzilla007 and uh, like and subscribe iTunes slash SoundCloud. All right, everybody. And until next time, bye bye.